Hi, this is Kevin Lawler, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast, and I got myself and Jimmy across the street. Jimmy the Iron Sheik just died, man. I know, dude, it's so sad. Really, I mean, you know what's funny is a lot of people were like, hey man, it'd be great if you could get Sheiky on the show, (laughs) but... You know, and obviously we would have loved to have had the Iron Sheik on the freaking show, you know, but man, when I saw that little A&E biography about him, I could tell he wasn't great. And, you know, but God bless the Iron Sheik, man. What a just legend, you know, I mean, Bubba. (laughs) <laughs> the car, it goes back to the cartoon, man. I mean, him and Roddy Piper were kind of the OG heels of the 80s that, you know, Dude, got, yeah. got it rocking and rolling. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Those guys were the heels, you know. And, you know, of course, you had Ric Flair and stuff. But what I'm talking about as far as, like, the guys that you just thought about as total heels and Iron Sheik in that Goonies. I mean, it's what the Goonies are good enough by Cindy Lauper. That mm-hmm. music video, he's yeah. in it. with Man, just never going to be another one like him i don't think they could be anyway but what i'm saying is with the world as it is never gonna be another iron sheet man no i still wonder man like you know all the stuff at the end where he got famous for you know the crazy shit that he would say on the shoot interviews and on the internet i mean i wonder how much was he working and i i think a lot of it was oh yeah like a, a internet character basically character of him yeah but it, it worked <laughs> you know yeah out of the ring he was still working man yeah man it's just one of those people you think about along with the randy savages and the you know the ones that are gone that uh major childhood man i wish i would have had more interaction with him uh, i think i the, really the only the funny of the story is um when I was first in 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 WWE, uh, we was in the dressing room. Everybody's changing after the show and all that kind of stuff. He's got a towel on and he's he's got his suitcase open. And I mean, he's bald headed and he pulls out this fucking hair dryer <laughs> and he looks over at me with that big smile, shaking his head like, yeah, yeah. And then he, he like starts uh, blow drying his mustache. <laughs> With the little compliment, it was just like he was looking at me like, "This is funny, right?" Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Oh man, you know the way he would work that mustache too, dude. I'm sure seeing it in real life at the time was amazing because, like, you know, that's his that's his gimmick, man. Yeah. That mustache was, and and watching him twist it and like, oh damn. yeah. Yeah. Man, it's crazy because I was, you know, Tom Pritchard, our former guest, posted a picture of him and a very, it was a very young Tom and a, a very, you know, young Iron Sheik. And Iron Sheik actually had like a long handlebar, like almost a Fu Manchu yeah. coming off. Dude, he's he's legendary on the facial hair too. But as, <laughs> you know, that story he told, I'm so glad I asked that question because I almost didn't mm-hmm. asking about, you know, Sheiky training Tom and, yeah. <laughs> you know, scream, scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's good, man. <laughs> and and before we get on to the show, get to the break and, and have Kevin on. It's Kevin Lawler uh, today, which is going to be fun. I do want to just update everybody. You know, we talked with the headbangers about the uh, colonoscopy and getting checked and all that kind of stuff. And the, the polyps that I had removed were benign. I found that out yesterday. So that's a good thing. And uh, we won't Amen. talk about my ass no more. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad your your ass or your Wolfie D or whatever. I'm glad everything is good, man. That's really, true. you know, had a lot of people praying for you, brother. Yeah. So that's awesome, you know. Appreciate that from all of them. So anyway, let's take a break and let's come back and talk to Kevin Lawler. All right. Be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, guys, we're back. And as promised, man, we got a, a very cool guest today, as we always have cool guests. Uh but known Kevin for, man, since probably, what, 93, Kevin Lawler coming on the show now? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe so. Um, uh, yeah, because that's, um, yeah, that's when you guys, I guess, first, first started. Yeah, that was when we first started in Memphis, and I never forget. But it, you know, it must, it must have been early because, like, I left in, like, May of 93 and moved to Philadelphia to do the ECW thing. So y'all, yeah. and I remember y'all being around for a while before I yeah. went and did that. February. So it was a few months. And, and and one thing I remember is that picture. And I don't know if I still got it. I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, but that picture you drew of me and Jamie that I thought was really, really cool. I don't know if you remember that one or not, but that was one of our yeah, first. I don't. Pictures. I really don't. Is a really cool picture. Uh, but man, anyway, and I just want you to know, and I want the listeners to know, man, we, I, I, I'm going to obviously, I want to ask you, how, how's your dad doing? Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I do want to say, man, this this show's for you, man. I'm not, I don't want people to think we're going to come on here and talk about your dad and Brian the whole time. We're going to touch on some of that. But this this show's for you, man. So, and no, no, you, that, that's uh, good. Yeah. You know, I, it's, 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 it's crazy because, um, uh, you know, you know, when this is actually recording, I think is, is actually like four months to the day on the exact day, you know, when he had that stroke back in, uh, back in oh. February. Yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, 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 he's doing good. I mean, you know, I mean, he can pretty much do whatever. I mean, he can get out and drive and, you know, I mean, he gets around and does a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, just this past Thursday, they had a big, uh, a big award ceremony where um you know he got presented this 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 big trophy uh you know it's kind of like a um heck, i forgot what it was what it was called uh, something you know just some kind of like an outstanding citizen yeah, I, I saw award it. um yeah it's very cool yeah yeah so yeah i mean he's you know i mean not really getting out and doing you know these conventions and things and that kind of stuff you know because um right now with the travel and everything like that but as far as just you know doing his thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's doing good. Yeah. That's good to hear. You know, Wolfie was like, you know, when, when all that, when all that stuff first happened and I was down there with my dad and 
Florida, yeah. like one of the first times that I got to go, you know, cause you know, Wolfie was one of the first guys that kind of, you know, was reaching out to me and calling and texting and wanting to, you know, check and see how my dad was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he was one of the first guys that I, you know, called and, and actually let it, you know, put him on the phone with my dad and let him get to yeah. just, you know, say a few little words to him when he was, you know, kind of limited on his, on his speech and stuff, you know, uh, in the beginning. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was cool, man. And it was good to, so I appreciate you did that. Uh, I was, he's always been good to me, man. You know how in the business, man, they, there's, there was Jerry Jarrett guys. There was Jerry Lawler guys. I kind of feel like I was both, you know what I mean? And that's, that's right. me. Um, very cool to me. Uh, man, let's talk about Memphis down there, man. It's like ever since USWA's gone out of business, man. And, and, and for the ones that don't know, Kevin does do a lot of promoting. And any show that I've been on that Kevin ran was very professional. I uh, got paid good and he always drew well. Um, and, and so what do you think's going on? It's like everybody down in Memphis seems to be fighting over one little crumb or something. You know, it's like, why, why can't Memphis draw again and have a, have a regular wrestling show that they know? Well, I I mean, really, it's a combination of things, but probably the, the main thing is the fact that just the times have changed so much, you know, with social media and everything. A Saturday morning television show is just not what it used to be. You know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, I would love to have one. I mean, you know, it's cool to have just for, for bragging rights and, you know, any exposure is, is better than, than none. I mean, it's always just something extra to have. But it's just not like it used to be. I mean, people, especially kids, just number one, probably aren't even aware that those channels even exist that far down on the guide, you know, yeah, to yeah. be like, you know, and they're probably not even watching TV on a on a Saturday morning right. um, and that kind of stuff. You know, so for you know people to want to try to, you know, have a TV show and be a Saturday morning TV show. It's just not like like it was. I mean, man, when I was a kid coming up on a Saturday morning, you know, for the longest, all we had was Memphis. And then once kind of cable and some other, you know, stuff started kicking in, then mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning, we could watch, you know, NWA, Memphis, you know, Mid-South, World Class, you know, WWF, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And then later in the afternoon, you know, NWA would come back on at like six o'clock. It was like, man, there was just so much, so much wrestling. And that's just what people was accustomed to back yeah. then and now they're accustomed to like monday nights or, or whenever right but you know that's the biggest thing is number one just it, it, you know there was such a gap in between when there was a regular consistent saturday morning show to now that it became out of sight out of mind and then just the quality of the talent is is just not there you know yeah. and that's really one of the biggest parts i mean so many of the guys nowadays you know, not just around here, but in so many places, they all look like kids. They all look like they're 14 years old, you know, opposed to like back in the day, Dutch Mantel looked like a grown man. The Fabs looked like grown men. Austin Idol, Jimmy Van, all these guys look like grown men to where like now everybody just looks like kids almost, you know? Totally, totally. I agree with that 100%. And then you're right, man, because you know what? I really don't. I can't say that there's anything that I watch like, okay, I know this comes on at such and such a time and I'm going to turn the TV on at that time and watch it with the exception of like NFL or something like that, 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 you know, you need to watch right then. Um, But like a show I'm streaming everything and, you know, Oh yeah. And just, you know, watching it at your convenience, you know, yeah. So that time, 
what you were talking about, it doesn't really matter. And, and I mean, you're right. It just doesn't really matter that, you know, the nostalgia of Saturday morning wrestling, I don't think is a, as a drawing point anymore, as a selling point anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And so let's talk about the, the backyard wrestling league that you and Brian and what, who else? Tony Williams and uh, Tony, Tony Williams was in it. Um, as far as anybody that ever. So let's, let's talk know, the people real quick that don't know that, that Brian Christopher, his brother and, and Kevin and, and a couple other guys in the neighborhood, y'all had a ring, right? Or did you do it on the ground? I can't no, I mean, the, the origins of it was, you know, before there was ever a ring or, or even backyard, it was in the house. It was done like in the living room, <laughs> you know, of our house and just a couple other friends. And it kind of started off as like, as soon as like somebody's, you know, mom or somebody would go to the grocery store or go to work. It's like, you'd get on the phone. Hey, you know, our mom's gone, you know, everybody, everybody come over. And it kind of, it kind of started like that. And then all of a sudden this was like kind of the dawning of the age when people started getting camcorders, you know, so then once, you know, one of the, one of the kids in the neighborhood got a camcorder, then we actually could like start making our own shows, you know, to where, you know, the, the living room or the den would be, would technically be the ring. You know, if you had a, you know, if you had a couch and a love seat that kind of made an L shape, well, those were ropes, you know, and then <laughs> another wall would be ropes and things <laughs> like that, you know? Uh, and, you know, and, and a lot of us, you know, this also was like in the eighties where you could go to, you know, when, you know, all the rock bands were wearing like spandex. So there was a lot of stores right. that would sell spandex tights. So, you know, yeah. we, we, you know, could get some tights here and there or just some other little outfits and things like that. So, I mean, everybody had characters, everybody had gimmicks, everybody actually had like, you know, five or six different gimmicks, you know, <laughs> you just come out and do stuff. We had music and all that. And, um, and then, you know, once we got a little bit older, we did discover, um, I don't know if you really remember him or not, but this one guy, David Webb, who used to kind of do some ring announcing with Memphis for a while. And he had went down and did some stuff in global and all that, mm-hmm. but he used to train with, with Don Bass, him and another guy. And he actually had a ring in his backyard. And once we discovered that there was actually a ring that we could go to, then wrestling in the house was done. You know, we were done right. with that because now we had an actual ring yeah. that, that we could go to. That's awesome. And that's, and then, you know, another thing was kind of crazy is that, you know, we were thinking that we were the only ones doing this. And then, um, you remember Scott Bowden, right? You know, like he actually went to the same high school with Tony Williams. And once we kind of, you know, met him and discovered that he had his own little, you know, neighborhood wrestling organization going on also where him and a few of his friends like wrestled in the house and things like yeah. that. So, but, you know, we never got to really do any of that kind of stuff together um you know but scott bowden was like another guy that you know kind of basically kind of you know that we got him in because he kind of halfway right there towards the end kind of grew up with us to a degree and yeah. stuff like that and, so. and here's what i was kind of getting at with that with and talking about how y'all used to do that that because me i think it was me and jimmy that were talking about this the other day it came up and we're like, has Jerry Lawler ever actually trained a wrestler? And so I, I, like, I know he really, he didn't train you and Brian did it. You kind of trained yourselves, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, pr- pretty much. I mean, you know, we, we just kind of were self-taught by just goofing off and doing that stuff in the house, you know, and cutting, cutting promos, you know, on these, on these little videos right. that we would do and, 
things like that. But it was almost kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was, it, there was really no actual training. We just kind of did the stuff and then eventually, you know, you know, ran into, you know, kind of like met the snowman and found out that, you know, he was a part of a group that was doing some little outlaw shows around Memphis and, and, you know, got on one of those shows and got Brian and Tony on one, on one of those shows too. And, and was, you know, it, was he okay with that or did it piss him off? You know, man, I want to think that, I think that was like right before the whole snowman thing, you know, mm-hmm. when, before snowman even came in, you know, so in the beginning, you know, he wasn't hot because of the snowman thing. He was just hot because, you know, it was considered like an outlaw right, promotion, right. you know, that, and here we were like guys who, you know, weren't even really even in the business, weren't trained, weren't nothing. Right. And, you know, we went and did, did one of these shows, but it was, you know, by, you know, and Brian and Tony wrestled each other and they took, you know, they took the tape to my dad and showed him their match. And that's basically what, you know, had him see that, Hey, these guys, you know, kind of, old enough now, big enough now, and they look like they know what they're did doing to where we can it? at least make them, huh? I would love to have been there to sit. Did he put it over? Like, did he watch it and go, oh, y'all ain't bad. I, it's hard for me to see him doing that. <laughs> I could see him rolling uh, doing that face. Well, yeah, because I remember, I remember when I took a tape over there to show him like a match with me and somebody, and I'm sitting there thinking that he's going to put it over real big, and he just sat there and watched it, and then he looked at me and said, like, why are you showing me this? Like, what, what, what am I supposed to be watching this? One? You know, they just totally buried it, you know, totally oh, just man. led me like, oh, well, I don't know. I just thought you might see it. Um, I'm not really sure how he did with Brian Tony. I mean, I think he probably just, you know how they can, you know how they'll, it's like almost like that backhanded compliment where they'll, you know, you know, put it over without putting it over, you know, because it's like yeah. almost, kind of like a good example. I remember one time, you, you remember our friend, Mr. Clyde, yeah, you know, Ollie, Ollie ate all the bacon and Ollie been kind. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I remember one time, you know, he, you know, he was doing the jobs on Saturday mornings, and then, you know, thought he had a pretty decent match, and he came to the back and he asked Eddie Martin. He said, Eddie, did you did you see my match? He said, Yeah. He said, said How was it? And he said, It wasn't as terrible as it normally is. <laughs> you know, so that was <laughs> that was his way of putting it over. You know. Yeah. And hey, <laughs> you know what, man? We were talking with the headbangers uh, last week, and this came up. The culture of Memphis is weird, okay? And and we'll elaborate on this, but what I mean by that is people will not put you over. So that's what I was groomed for. That's all I knew that existed in the wrestling world was the Memphis locker room. And that was, you know, you come back, somebody, you know, be like, well, that was the shits. Even if it was good, just to fuck with you, just whatever. Nobody would ever put anything over. And then I go to ECW and WCW. Uh, I remember the most is guys. We came back from WCW uh, one time, came through the curtain, everybody stand up clapping and shit. I'm like, is this a fucking rib? We're making fools of us right now because I wasn't used to that, man. Uh, but it's a culture of Memphis, man. It's like that. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I guess it's just, you know, so, you know, kind of, um, competitive in a way you know but i don't you know but i don't know it's just it's hard to hard to explain but it's just if you're it's almost kind of like even just trying to explain the business to somebody who's never been around the business it's like you just you just know it you just get it you just understand it by being around those guys but i guess the biggest way to really know you know if it's legit or not is if they really didn't like something they would 
cuss you out, but if they, you know, was okay with it, they would just knock it. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. So I want to add a little something. When we posted our episode that we said that, did Jerry Lawler ever train anyone? Mm-hmm. A listener, Mac A. Ronan, aka at Hizudi Mizark on Twitter, posted mm-hmm. that he thought he trained Jerry Bryant. So not a hundred percent sure, but says I, I really don't know, but I mean, I have a, I have heard a few stories, even almost like say with like Jerry Calhoun or somebody. Sure. That I think I think sometimes in some of those cases, like the extent of the training would maybe be like he might would take somebody out in the backyard or something and say, hey, you know, and just you know would show them how to fall, like maybe slam them down a couple of times, and if they could take it, you know, on just on the hard ground, then then they okay. was okay. But you know, it was never just you know like what you. Like actual, you know, wrestling school, it would basically, hey, let me just show you a a couple of things, real simple, real basic. And, and, you know, and then from that point on, I mean, same way, even like when I first ever started refereeing, I was never even trained for that. It was just my dad called me one day and said, hey, um, can you go to this town tonight and and referee? And I was like, yeah, again, never had never done it before ever in my life. So I was having to just do it on the fly that first night you know, in the ring with all these guys and just scared to death, you know, and just, you know, um, but they're, you know, just, they're basically, you know, I mean, I had watched enough. I haven't seen enough of it to, right. to know how to do it. You know, the, the, the pantomime part of it, but, but, you know, didn't really know kind of, you know, where to be and what to do and this and that. And they're just, you know, they're kind of, you know, how they would do their thing. The old deal, like, Hey, don't go, don't go tell him the, to, to, to grab my leg, you know, <laughs> you got to go and say, Hey, don't grab me. You know, then, then they know they grab the leg, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, that's awesome. Hey, I was going to say, speaking of, speaking of Jerry Calhoun, I, I, I listened to the episode of the time he was on here and I know he kind of briefed over, but I don't know if you really guys had really called it aware, but you know, that there was just like a, a brief few little years where he was like technically Brian and mine's, you know, uncle, you know, he was married to our mother's, sister you know so like and i think they got divorced when we were probably like god maybe like you know three and four years old or something like that you know so just the first few years of our life you know he was our our uncle yeah yeah we used to call him uncle nose that was his nickname was uncle nose because when you know (laughs) he has the big nose already but when you're like a little kid you know how you see everything's in a whole different perspective and i just remember like anytime we was around him he just it just seemed like it was just this big huge nose you know coming at you so we called him uncle nose (laughs) that's hilarious oh and hey jimmy we made kevin hot because when we did that episode with jerry calhoun and we were naming off memphis referees and stuff we did not include kevin and i told kevin he he mentioned this to me a few months ago i think it was and uh i think the reason i didn't really think of you is that because it's like I see you more as the promoter person now and and also because I wrestled you when you were doing the Bumblebee thing. So I think that's my excuse. I don't know what Jimmy's is, but that's mine. My excuse was <laughs> that, what do you mean me, pale face? <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> so my question, and I, I think I want to, you know, I try to represent the listener here and it's got to be the, you've probably answered this a million times, but I mean, honestly, and I I want this from your perspective, you know, like you growing up. So how was it growing up as the son of like the greatest wrestler of all time, basically? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, it's weird because it's it's one of those things where it's hard to say because that's all you knew. It'd be it'd be different, I think, maybe like if if say if my dad was my stepdad and all of a sudden like I'm you know, yeah. 10 or 11 years old and my mother marries this guy, you know, then that might would be, you might could have some, something to kind of compare it to and it'd be something different. But, you know, that's all we really knew. Any of us guys whose father was a wrestler, you know? Sure. And, sure. um, you know, and my, and my mother and father, they got divorced, you know, when I was probably four years old or something like that, you know? So, you know, those first few years, you know, were just kind of flashes of, you know, us all being together, you know, moving around and having to live in Florida, having to live in Atlanta and, you know, Hendersonville and things like that. Um, so, and, and with my dad being gone so much, you know, just like all the kids, it's like, you know, we saw our fathers more on TV than we saw them at home or, or in real life. So in a way, we were just as much, you know, watching these shows as, as everybody else was watching. We were, we were seeing, even though that was our father, we were seeing him as a fan or as, the, as that character, that guy on TV, just like everybody else. But at the same time, that's our dad, you know? So it was always kind of this kind of a weird dynamic when we would get to go see him or be around him because it, it, in a way it was like being around two, two people, you know, Mm. You know, any kid whose parents are divorced, anytime you get to go and be with, say, you know, your father or whatever, it's always going to be something exciting and special because that, that's your dad and you hardly ever seen. But in this sure. case, it's like, hey, you know, we're getting to hang around with our dad and this guy that we see on TV at the same time. You know, so yeah. it's yeah. kind of extra kind of cool, you know, on one hand. And um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I hear some of these stories from guys like Jamie and some of these other guys that you know they just moved around and traveled around so much because their dads would work different territories but in our case you know um since our dad was pretty much here all the time and since you know our parents had got divorced Mm -hmm. we were pretty much you know we pretty much stayed put in memphis so we really had i mean a very very normal uh, childhood i mean we were no different than any of the other kids in the neighborhood we didn't have anything elaborate we didn't have any any all the extra you know cool stuff that that none of the other kids had i mean in a lot of cases i mean they had more than us you know sure and um you know so you know and and all of our other you know family members everybody was just so down to earth and so normal to where we just had this really normal life and normal childhood other than the fact that our dad was this guy you know and stuff like that um so you know ours was a little different than you know like i said you know, hearing some of these stories of guys like Jamie and, and them and stuff like that, you know, I mean, there was, and it's also kind of weird because you would think that, you know, naturally, I guess probably a lot of people probably just assume that all the wrestlers, kids, you know, or just grow up around each other and they're always around each other. And in our case, it wasn't like that. I mean, I just, I remember when, you know, we was really, really young and we lived in Hendersonville, you know, Brian was already in kindergarten. I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. And, you know, I remember there would be a few times that we would have to go over, uh, like our mom and dad and, and, you know, Bill and Jamie's mom might would go out and do something, you know, which is hard to believe that, you know, my dad and Bill would actually hang out and do something, or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, um, but I just remember a couple of times, maybe them going out to dinner or doing something and we would go over there, you know, just me and Brian and Jamie and Jamie's older sister would 
would babysit us. Uh, we'd be around them a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and, but then it's like, that was when I'm like maybe two or three years old. And then I, you know, I don't ever even see Jamie ever again until like, you know, um, the early nineties when he comes back, you know, so I'm just never around them, you know, there would even sure. be times we would go to Jerry Jarrett's house, you know, for, you know, for little things or something like that. And I yeah. just maybe remember like one time ever seeing like Jeff Jarrett when he was maybe 10 or something jumping on a trampoline and then never seeing Jeff ever again until, you know, he starts, you know, refereeing and wrestling or something like that. Besides like Calhoun and stuff, then who, who were the like wrestlers that came over to your, your house in Memphis or was there just none? Is it just that just seeing everybody every once in a while? Didn't well, well, like, no, I mean, there was, really there was a couple of times, but your dad didn't really hang out with any of the guys. I mean, obviously K Fabe, you know, he's not, yeah, really I mean, K Fabe, I mean, it was like really, strict back then because there was a lot of times where like on a Monday night, you know, me and Brian would, you know, when we were kids, we would go to the matches and, you know, we would have to, you know, go and find Mr. Coffee and say, Hey, you know, um, you know, we want to go back there and see our dad and say, Hey, say him. And he has to go back there and get her, you know, make sure everything coast was clear and everything was good. Mm-hmm. You know? So then when they would bring us back there, I mean, sometimes you might could see like a heel, like kind of peeking around the corner or something, you know, just to, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't like everybody just walking around like it is now. It's like, right. you know, everybody was just, you know, the heels would be on one side, baby face on the other, right. just kind of peek and we'd go, there are things that we never saw any of this mixing in England of guys hanging out or nothing when we right. would go back there and, and say, and then sometimes, you know, we would get to go, to like like Nashville, you know, and you know, just be sitting in the babyface dressing room with everybody, and that was like just would blow your mind to be like a little kid, and you're sitting in the dressing room. There's the Fabs and Jerry Law and Billy and whoever, you know, because you know how tiny the, the Nashville dressing rooms was, yeah. you know. And of course, there was no, you know, no mixing in England, you know, because they were on complete opposite sides of the, of the building with each other. But yep. the, uh, and, and, you know, like I said, with us not growing up, you know, with our dad, you know, nobody ever came to our house, but I just only remember like a couple of times I remember, you know, you know, I mean, every so often, you know, we'd go spend the night with my dad's or something like that. And I remember one time being at his house and Jimmy Valiant being over there and like, you know, just sitting up on his lap and looking down, seeing like his fingernails painted like glittery silver, you know, <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that. And I remember, you know, Austin Idol being over there one time, but mm-hmm. that's like the only time that I remember seeing, you know, guys over at the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, every now and then, if we would get to, sometimes if we go spend the night at my dad's or something like that, and it was always the coolest if we went spend the night and would get the luck up and go, you know, with him to like a, like a spot show or something, you know, if, it, if he was over there like on a Friday or Saturday night and we'd get to ride with him mm-hmm. to a spot show. Cause usually, you know, nine times out of 10, like Calhoun would be in the car with us or every now and then like, you know, Cocoa Ware And, you know, sometimes there'd just be like, like two or three of the guys in the car, you know, plus us, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. So that was always kind of cool to get to just, you know, make yeah. some of these trips with some of those guys too and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you kind of were like dancing around it a little bit there, Kevin. But when we had Jamie on the show, you know, Jamie's a mile a minute and he was telling stories. And there was a story that came up about Jackie Fargo and Christmas. 
Man, the greatest story I got on that is to, as as I was reminded my whole entire life running around with Brian Christopher that the Dundees ruined the Lawler's Christmas in 1975. <laughs> Jack Fargo played Santa Claus, and I would never forget it. I, I, I ran up to him with the milk and cookies when he came in. He had the beard on and the outfit, and he, I ran up, and I gave him them milk and cookies, and he pulled that beard down. He said, Pally, Santa wants whiskey, boy. And I ran back. I said, Daddy, Santa wants whiskey. And so we got we got we got Santa a whole bunch of whiskey, and Santa got tore plum up. And by the time he got to the Lawler's house, he knocked the Christmas tree over, fucking broke the toys. <laughs> he started at Jarrett's, went to ours, and then off to the fucking Lawler's. And by the time he, because that was when Jerry lived in Hendersonville, and by the time by the time old Fargo got to friggin' Pally's house, baby, it was on. He knocked the tree over, broke all the gifts, and Brian Christopher reminded me of that every year at Christmas. He'd say. You ruined my fucking Christmas my whole life. <laughs> Santa, 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 Santa ruined it, not me. And so I posted that. I made a little video of it. And then you sent us an image of you, Brian, and Jackie <laughs> in the image. Yeah, together. well, Jackie was dressed as, as, as Santa Claus. So I need to hear your story of this. I know yeah. you were young, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really young. I mean. Again, I mean, I just, I just, my recollection of it is not, you know, as, as good as probably Brian or Jamie's. I just, cause like, you know, Brian's, they, they remember, you know, like, you know, and I remember Jackie being drunk and all that kind of stuff, you sure. know, and he had, he had some girl with him and, you know, they tell a story of him like breaking some of our toys, which I don't really remember that. I just remember him coming over and I just remember them doing the, doing the gimmick where, you know, our dad came and said, Hey, you know, they had somebody outside the windows, like jingling the bells and, and waking us up and making us think that Santa Claus was coming and everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he, you know, comes in, he comes in, comes in the house, you know, and there's Santa Claus. And of course, you know, when you're like, you know, three or four years old, you're thinking this is like the real Santa Claus. And I just remember him, you know, and I had no idea that it was Jackie at the time. I just remember, even though he's saying, hey, Pally and all that kind of stuff, he was doing, <laughs> he's just, just, just typical Jackie Fargo with the, with the Santa suit on, yeah, you know, sure. but you know, at the time I'm not even thinking about it, you know, it's just, you're just, your mind's blown. Cause it's Santa Claus in your house on Christmas Eve, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and I just remember here, I mean, um, I just, I just remember it. You just had like this vague memory of like, yeah. you know, him being there and him being Santa Claus and just a few of the toys that, that we got that year. And, things like that. But I guess, you know, the way Jamie talks is apparently, I guess he went to our house and Jamie's house and Jeff Jerry's house and yeah, stuff yeah. like that kind, kind of made the rounds. And I guess maybe we were the last one. So he was pretty lit by the time he got to our house. <laughs> and he wants some whiskey. <laughs> what do you call right? that? Do the bar crawl? That's kind of like Yeah. The bar crawl, the house yeah. crawl. Yeah. He came there last cause he probably knew there wasn't whiskey there, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he knew that he was going to get actual milk and cookies at our house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I got it. This is kind of an off kilter question, but I know it's important to your pops. But what's your favorite superhero? <laughs> uh, man, you know, I've, I, I always was was a big Superman fan, you know, too, sure. growing up, you know, yeah. um you know, because when I was growing up, that's when, you know, even though it was in reruns, but man, it's like, you know, I, you know, come home from, from school, you know, at three o'clock and, you know, the old 
black and white, you know, and also with, you know, the color version of the old Superman show yeah. would come on. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I remember like, this was like when I was in kindergarten and Brown was in first grade and we, we lived in these, this apartments, like these townhouses and we would have to ride the bus to school. And then when the bus would bring us back, it's like, we had to make this huge loop all the way around, you know, the complex. And then like where they dropped us off was like the last stop. And me and Brown would always kind of fight her. Cause that's back when, you know, heck, you know, we still had a black and white TV, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, Brian liked to watch that old Spider-Man cartoon that used to come on like back in the day, you know, and like oh, yeah. Spider-Man cartoon yeah. and Superman would both come on, you know, like at the same time. Yeah. And we both wanted to be able to watch, you know, the one that we wanted, like on the big color TV, you know? And yeah. so it's like whoever could get to the TV first kind of got dibs. <laughs> and then the other guy would have to go and watch his show on the black and white. And so I just remember kind of discovering the fact that I could go ahead and get off the bus at the first stop when they were letting all, all the kids off. Cause it was kind of really like right where our spot was, but then it just made a loop. So I would kind of sneak and get off when the first round of kids would get off. And so by the time the bus made it around and Brian got dropped off, I was already inside watching you know, <laughs> Superman on the big television. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Well then what's your favorite superhero movie? Mm, um, gosh, um, it gotta be a Marvel one. I mean, there's some pretty dope Superman movies, so yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, man, I, I um, I mean, this isn't one. This isn't my favorite, but you know, I actually just it just popped into my head is that man. I think that Daredevil movie that Ben Affleck did is oh. was a lot cooler than people actually give it credit for. You know, the director's I, cut was very good, actually. Yeah, you're the right. Series, yes. the um, was better than the movie, though. The series was really good on Netflix. It I was. Think. Yeah, I never saw that, but. You should, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, that's man, that's hard, hard hey, to say. Um, you, okay. Did you kind of grow up uh, drawing stuff off of comic books and superheroes like I did? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but you know, also mine was, you know, I would just, I grew up, you know, seeing my dad draw, and I, you know, inherited, so I could draw too. But I just remember, like, I remember one time, you know, again, this is when we lived in Hendersonville, and I'm you know, three years old or whatever. Yeah. And my dad drew, you know, uh, on the wall, you know, he drew and painted like, you know, Iron Man's face and Spider-Man's face and Captain America, like, you know, just two of these faces and, and, you know, would draw a few things mm-hmm. on the wall, you know, and paint them. And it was like really cool, like on our bedroom wall. And, you know, I didn't know the difference. I just, so I just saw him doing it and thought it was okay to do it. So I think I had got <laughs> some crayons, some art, something, and, and, you know, was no kind of an artist at the time, but just drew some crap on the wall and that didn't get over <laughs> you know, good, good at all that I had run this wall that he had drawn all this stuff on by me trying to copy him. Yeah. Uh, and same way, like, you know, there's that, that, that real famous drawing that he did. That's like, you know, Jerry Jarrett and Tojo and Jackie Fargo, you know, that one real yeah. famous drawing that he did of those guys. Yeah. And I remember, you know, him working on that thing forever, you know, sitting at this table and he was working on it, working on it. And I guess he was, you know, out of town wrestling somewhere. And I was, you know, been sitting there watching him do it and doing it. And I had taken like a, like a pen, you know, how when you click the thing and, and it makes the, the part come out with ink, but if you yeah. don't click it, it just does. 
and I just had, was just kind of tracing over it with that thing. And man, when he came home and oh. saw like these grooves all over the thing, oh. was <laughs> man, it was it was brutal. <laughs> it was oh man, brutal. yeah. You know, Needless to say, like he this probably, he massive work of art that he had made, you know. And oh, and I'm just like, you know. You know, trying to copy off what I saw him doing. You know, <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> oh, that's uh, to put it mildly. <laughs> he, pulled, he pulled the strap on you for sure. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> that is man, and you know, we were talking about Jackie Fargo, and uh, man, I saw on social media. I don't know if either one of you saw this, but I just want to throw this out there to the listeners and everything. I think there's a GoFundMe now, but I've, I, if this is true. Uh, I think it was uh, Bobby Fulton's son that posted this, that Jackie's uh, grave and his wife's grave do not have headstones on them. They're just there in the ground, and there was a picture of it. And I think they started GoFundMe for it, but that just seems, I mean, I, I know a lot of wrestlers have died broke and stuff, but that's Jackie Fargo. I can't believe somebody hadn't taking care of that you know what i'm saying yeah i mean that just seems like something that my dad would have done or or whatever i'll have to ask him him about it and everything um you know because you know his daughter charlotte you know Mm. she's never ever mentioned anything about that to me that i can i can remember Mm. um but on the subject of jackie i was just gonna say man jackie talking about Man, I'll tell you who Jackie's favorite, and and I, I wouldn't even call this person even a superhero, but, you know, he was kind of like, you know, they did a lot of comics of this guy, and this was like Jackie's favorite, you know, comic book character, and anytime I was ever around Jackie, sometimes we'd, you know, like, you know, when we'd go to Nashville or something like that, my mom would take us by Jackie's and just visit, and anytime we'd go there, Jackie would always get out some paper and pencil or something, he would always want me to draw this this character for him. Uh, Jackie's favorite character was Sergeant Rock. You remember the Sergeant oh, Rock yeah. character? Absolutely. This was Jackie Hardy's yeah. favorite, favorite guy. You know, he always wanted me to draw Sergeant Rock anytime I ever was around him. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're going to want to call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. So, man, what you got going with shows and stuff? I know it's been a minute since you, you ran one that I that I can recall. What, what do you got going on with that? Anything? Um, 
Yeah, we actually have a, uh, I'm doing a show that's going to be on uh, Sunday, July the 9th mm-hmm. on Bill Street. We're going to set a ring up in front of my dad's, you know, barn grill right down Bill Street. Yeah. And just, you know, just do one of those typical outdoor shows where you just have maybe like four matches or something like that. Nothing, nothing special, yeah. just a kind of a gimmick type mm-hmm. thing um, and all that. I actually tried to get, uh, I was trying to get Honky Tonk Man to come and be a part of that, but, you know, he... He wasn't available. I wanted to bring him down and put him in the yep. Hall of Fame thing and all that kind of stuff and uh, and everything. But he, he he wasn't available at the time. Yeah, cool. And uh, so, the, the, is that a wildfire show? Or are you going to continue the wildfire? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That that that'll be a, a wildfire show. And you know, still just trying to. You know, I mean, my biggest thing is I just have zero interest in just running shows just to be running shows i mean there's so many guys it's like they just yeah. you know all they care about is just to be running shows and it's like you know my shows have so much more production and this and that right. they're so expensive to do that it's like if i just can't do it the way i want to do it then i have no interest in doing it i don't have, yeah. i don't care to just to run wrestling shows you know right and um you know and there was a couple of couple of things we was working on that just kind of kind of fell through that's still trying to work on but like i said i just want to make sure that it's the way I want them to be. Cause like I said, I just, I don't care to just be doing these shows that you can, you know, the whole show will cost you $500 or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah your shows are, the production has always been good on them. That's what I like about it, man. Cause yeah. Even back when I first, you know, I, when I first ever even started promoting shows was like back in like late 1992. And I was like the first guy to start around here that was like, you know, just run some little spot show and give it some kind of a name or use any kind of like Jeff Jarrett. You saw his call me Vince back then, you know, because, <laughs> you know, they, they would come to my shows and, you know, I'd have a spotlight or some kind of, some kind of something. I actually, um, back in like Corellisville, Missouri, man, they had just built this brand new, uh, you know, recreation center, you know, this big, huge thing with this, you know, real elaborate, expensive you know uh basketball court floor and all this kind of stuff now that kind of rubbery type stuff they had never done anything there you know the first thing they ever did was let us come and do a big big wrestling show and i had rigged up some kind of way to make it look like like fireworks exploding in there it was basically just like taking like like flash paper with this powder in it and hooking it to these wires and and sticking it into like the the sockets of an extension cord and then when you plug it into the wall it explode you know <laughs> and so we had some of these just hanging in the air and literally i would just run and plug one in and run down and plug another one in and run and plug another one so like when my dad came out i was like boom 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 it was like big fireworks going off in the sky but it like rained down like this like this fire rained down and it like like singed. It looked like somebody just took a cigarette, and just stuck stuck a button, you know, like when you just like like burn holes into like a couch or something with, with a cigarette. It was like all over the floor like that, and they just like banned ever ever have a wrestling there again after that one show. Damn, that's messed up. So let's talk about Brian for a minute, man. We all miss Brian, man. He's the he, Brian touched a lot of people, and uh, I miss him, man. I really do. Tell me, not not Brian, the one that we all knew in the locker room and stuff. What what was Brian, the big brother, like growing up? Uh, um, just like Brian in the locker room. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> the same, the same guy, you know. <laughs> um, but um, no, I mean, 
I mean, you know, I mean, he, I mean, he was cool and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we, um, you know, just grew up together, you know, um, man, just, you know, both having that, that love for, for wrestling and yeah. all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just wanted to do that. But, um, gosh, man, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, that's, you know, that's just, again, one of those things that's kind of really hard to say. Cause it's just like, man, I don't know, you know, it's just, just your, your yeah. brother or whoever. And it's just like, I mean, just typical, you know I mean? Just like a typical yeah. brother, you know, and, 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 um, and all that. But I mean, he was just, um, I mean, you know how just super over competitive he was with everything. I mean, just all was always like that, you know, I mean, just as a kid, I mean, everything, I mean, no matter what it was, everything had to be yeah. a competition, you know? And it's like, I really almost didn't even like to be around him or do stuff. Cause I mean, like, you know, if we would just go to somebody's, you talk about Jerry Bryant, we used to would go uh, over to Jerry Bryant's, you know, house and go, go swimming and stuff like that. Mm. And just, I mean, like you couldn't even just go and just enjoy going and swimming. Like everything has to be like, you know, who can jump the farthest? Who can, you know, go the highest off the diving board? Who can hold the breath the longest underwater? You know, it's like, man, I just want to splash around or something. I don't want like the whole everything to be this big competition. Um, I just, you know, but it was like no matter what it was, everything had to be a nonstop. He's the best at whatever. He just had to constantly prove that he was just, you know, could do anything faster, stronger, harder, better, you know, whatever. I can totally see that, man. I can totally see that. And listen, I want to ask you this question. If this is too much, we'll edit it out. I kind of just want to know what your feelings are on the whole jail thing. Like, what do you think happened, man? What's your honest opinion? Man, it, you know, it's one of those things where I could see I could see it either way, you know, because yeah. I mean, because yeah, you know that I don't I, I bet there's probably not a single wrestler that has ever, you know, lived that hasn't probably contemplated suicide. You yeah. know, I think every every wrestler yeah. has or, or almost anybody in entertainment, and especially when you're in those situations, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Just, you know, with everything he had going on in life, you know, at the time, I mean, cause if you think about it, that was, that was that, that was that same year that he got into that big fight with Chase Stevens and had already been in jail and some other stuff, you know, so he just had, had a lot going on, yeah. but, um, but I mean, just under the circumstances, I mean, I could see it either way, but, and it's also one of those kind of things where regardless, either outcome is not good. I mean, like you hate to think about you know, yeah. if it was something that he did or if it happened to him, it's like, what, you know, if you actually found out the truth, either way, you know, they both, they both suck, you know? So it's kind of like, you don't really want to know that this way happened or that way happened, you know, yeah, it's, in a way it's almost like you'd rather it just kind of stay this mystery and you just, you know, yeah. don't have to really sense. just, you know, think of it either, either way. No, but I was going to say, cause I mean, you, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things about, being in the, in the business and this kind of stuff is that, man, you know, you have these extreme highs and these extreme lows, you know, the average person that just works a nine to five job or does whatever, you know, not to say that theirs is, is, is any easier, but you know, their, their stress and their ups and downs are pretty basic, but it's one thing to, you know, maybe say that you, you know, or flat broke or you're doing this, whatever, but you can, you can go to some little show and, and there's, 
you know, 500 people there or however many people, and they're all wanting to take your picture and shake your hand and get your autograph, and they're putting you over and they're kissing your ass, you know, and then, so you're on this, on this huge high, but then as soon as you leave there, you go, you know, in some cases, you go back to this reality of that, you know, you're driving some piece of shit car, you're flat broke or whatever, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of times where these guys, especially, you know, after they've, you know, if they're not, say, you know, under contract somewhere or whatever, and they're back right. in that kind of situation. Right. Where, um, man, you have these super highs and super lows, and that kind of stuff can really affect the brain more than just the average person. So, I mean, I can see, you know, you know, either way, like I said, I mean, I definitely yeah. could could see. Yeah, I'm not one of these kind of people that if 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 that's what it came out to be, I would be in denial. I'd be like, Oh, there's no way, you know? Right. I mean, I definitely could be like, yeah, I mean, I could, I, I could see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. That's kind of my feeling on it. I, I think it could have gone either way, but regardless, I, I like how you put that though. Neither way is going to feel any better about it. Yeah. So that's, thanks for answering that. I got a great story about Brian. So I had a little toe tip in the business. I worked in Nashville as a manager. It's how I met Wolfie D originally. And Brian would come in and work at NWA Saw randomly. The houses were kind of low. So they bring in Brian to kind of pop the territorial or pop the area. I don't want to call it a territory, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And he, he came in and he was talking and having a good time. And he was telling a story and I was just kind of not eavesdropping. I was in the circle, but he was kind of telling the story and he couldn't remember Jesse Barr's name. And he was trying to say, Jimmy Jack, Jimmy Jack. And I'm like, it's, but he was something else. And I gave, I said, it's Jesse Barr. And dude, after that, you would have thought we were best friends the entire (laughs) night. He didn't even talk to anybody else at all. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> I've been a, you know, I'm an admitted fan of the Lawler family. <laughs> and and to know that this dude is, I mean, I, I just kind of tried to stay quiet if I wasn't talking to my immediate, if I wasn't talking to my immediate friends, I would just kind of stay quiet in there. And sure enough, Brian's talking my ear off. It was great. But anyway, so <laughs> I've talked to Wolfie about this story and I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. That was him. He had a magnetic charm about him, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he could he 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 could be like that, you know. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you, and this is kind of a patented question that my brother asks, and so it's the plastic chic <laughs> patented Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling question. So I would love to know you being, like I said, the son of one of the greatest of all time. I want to hear your Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. Ooh, wow. Um, <laughs> gosh, I mean. Mm. You know, I, I I had told my dad one time that he should like draw like a, a Mount Rushmore thing of, of, of wrestling and do like like several different versions of it. You know, to yeah. where you know, because when you think about it, man, you know, there's definitely like a Memphis Mount Rushmore and a whatever. Yeah. Um, but gosh, I mean, just in general, when you can only have like, I mean, what is that? Four guys or five guys or whatever that's on Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whatever you, you know, I mean, I mean, you definitely have to say Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and I would, I would say you have to say Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. and then after that, like, gosh, um, do you put your dad on there? Really, with the Jeopardy now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I personally would, 
yeah. know, but as far as like, you know, you know, to incor- you know, I think you just people, you hold back because it is your dad. I think you hold well, back. No, I mean, I just I just kind of look at it like, you know, just more from this like a, like a national I mean, audience, you know, which which, you know, and a lot more of them knowing knowing now. And that's that's one thing that always kind of kind of bothered me is like, you know, is that, you know, he's outlasted everybody really and yeah. like the wwe they never really treated him on the same level that they always did the other legends like they always you know really put dusty over and really put right. piper over and like kissed all those guys asses and yeah. he's outlasted all of them you know not only just still being alive but still being in the ring and yeah. all that all that kind of kind of stuff um i mean i personally would like just <laughs> huh I said, that's why you got to put him on there. Yeah. 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 And that, that's um, what we want. We want your personal, you don't have to make a nat, you know, cause I, I know there's that argument of like, okay, well, popular opinion, stone cold, Hulk Hogan, Andre undertaker, something like that. I want to know Kevin Lawler's personal. So, <laughs> oh man. So uh, Andre um, Hogan, you got two more. Andre well, Hogan. If, 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 it's, if it's my personal, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't put Andre on there as like my personal. I would probably put, oh. Like man, my personal would probably have like Ultimate Warrior on there. Okay, the yeah. Road Warriors and <laughs> there you stuff go. like that. Um, I love it. Gosh, um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would put my dad on there. Um, you know, not just because he's my dad at all, but really because, gosh, I mean, I really feel like he is the most realistic, you know, right. wrestler ever. You know, like I mean. And I was just watching somebody who just posted and I was watching this, this video is like that one loser league town match with him and Dundee. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, his, his matches was like watching a, a Rocky movie back in the day. I mean, like, oh, yeah. you know, the punches, the bun, I mean, everything was so believable because, you know, he was one of the few guys, if not probably the only guy who, you know, like so many guys just take, that same bump, you know, like Dundee always has that roll bump or Sir, or Stan Lane or so many guys just take a classic bump and no matter what happens to them, they take that same bump right. to where my dad, his bump was based off what, what happened and the, and how much impact was involved with what, yeah, happened, you know, the physics of the fall. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it just made it seem so much more, you know, real and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and I've heard got a lot of guys like Raven and so many people who, you know, will say, oh, man, he's just the absolute, you know, best there ever was. Um, and and, and I, I mean, I really, you know, feel that way, you know, despite him being my dad or anything like that. It's just, yeah. you know, his his, you know, just the whole body language of, of all of it, you know, from a from a given and receiving end is is just so much more believable than, you know, most guys. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. 100%. And uh, Jimmy, before we wrap it up, man, you got any final questions for Kevin? Well, obviously, we know that he just passed away yesterday. Did you ever have any run-ins when the Iron Sheik was in town? Did you ever? I know that was no, because I, you know, and I saw a thing, and it's, it's it's also one of those things where you know, I sometimes some of these guys will come in and they'll leave a huge impression and leave a big impact. And you think that they were here longer than they actually was, right, you know, right, exactly. And like yeah. with Sheik, I feel like Sheik was, you know, had a big run here, but it was like, I guess he was only here for like, you know, a few months or something like that. And right. so again, that was like when I was just, you know, a, a kid and not really getting to, 
you know, just hang around and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, we would come come in briefly. So, so, and then even after that, you know, because I'm not one of these guys who gets to go and do appearances and this and that and whatever. So I don't think I've ever actually been around the Sheik or, and, or met him or anything like that. I have no mm-hmm. memories of ever, ever being around him that, that I can think of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy just to think in such a short span, you know, and I had kind of forgot about it and then saw this today too, about how, you know, Billy Graham had, had just recently passed and, and then, you know, with Sheik and stuff like that, you know, um, yeah. and all that, but yeah, it's great. Crazy. And then I think they said the gambler too, right? I think I heard that. Yes. Yeah, that too, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would, you know, if right, you know, he even really counts, you know. But right. Yeah, but that is right. crazy, crazy, crazy too. But um, you know, and I, I remember, you know, he, you know, that was kind of like this weird period when when Jerry Jarrett was kind of like doing double duty with like WCW and the WWF at the time, you know, where mm-hmm. you know he was like, you know, sending us like some of these you know, guys that they had, like, you know, that's when we got like the gambler and yeah. or just George the third and, and like, you know, Scotty Riggs, you know, came in as like Scott stud and stuff yeah. like that. Like, you know, he was sending some, some guys here, but man, you know, what's so crazy to think about is, you know, like, man, we really just kind of missed it, you know, by just a couple of, couple of years, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, when power pro was going on, that's when the attitude era was hidden, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, the Coliseum days was over with, so we didn't really get to kind of piggyback off that. But man, just think about how, man, they was sending like the undertaker here and he would go and work like Jonesboro and some of these places and Randy yeah. Savage and Sean, like all these like, you know, Bret Hart and Lex all these Luger, guys were like Yoko coming Zina. here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they actually, they actually sent Lex Luger and Yokozuna here to, <laughs> to practice their match for SummerSlam. Right, you know, yeah. so that, so that they could at least kind of kind of kind of get it down, and you yeah. know, and Vince came and and watched and all that kind of stuff. But um, man, it's just crazy to think if man, if we could have you know had those guys here when they were on that next level, like even with guys like Undertaker, people didn't look at Undertaker then like they like they do now, and right. um, you know, I think stuff like that could have kind of helped Memphis survive a little bit longer, man. If we could have you know, kind of had access to that when, when things to just kind of hit that next, next, next level. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you something and you probably, Jimmy, you probably can relate to this, like, you know, being in some of these, some of these shows and having to, you know, now it's different, you know, when you play guys music, because, you know, it's all digital now and you can, people can do it on their laptops and stuff. But man, this is like back in the days when, man, you know, and I used to do the music for the guys. And (laughs) this is back when like, you know, man, all you had was like cassette tapes. And a lot of yeah. times these guys would just travel with their tapes and they would, they'd stay in their bags and they would get baby oil on them. And so sometimes yeah. like these tapes just wouldn't, wouldn't work or wouldn't play. <laughs> but I mean, this is like one thing that's just kind of crazy even think of, but I remember like, you know, when, you know, one of the first times that they sent Undertaker in, like having to go and, 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 you know, get asking for his music. And like Paul Bearer, like gives you a cassette tape with Undertaker's <laughs> music on it, you know? <laughs> To play, you think it's just crazy even think that like you know they would just travel around with like his music on a cassette tape. You know, that is one of my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves is was the the music guy who wouldn't make it a point to return your fucking tape to you at the end of the night because I was notorious for leaving shit like that. But I always felt like man, 
He's the music guy. That's his job is to get this back to me. Not at the end of the night. I got to go chase him down. Hey, right. you got my music. And then the the also, if you had somebody like a security person or whatever that would take your ring jackets and shit and then just go throw it fucking in the dark somewhere back behind the curtain and, and not bring it to your where you were sitting. I mean, you got one job, bro. Right, <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah, and and you know that was also back in the days when like, man, you know you, you know you had no real way of like queuing stuff up or being able to check it out. Like you know somebody would just give you a a, a tape and want you to play some song, and then you'd have to somehow like just kind of search through this, oh my, do God. this tape to find like the certain <laughs> spot or whatever. You know, it just it just it was a different different time then trying to do that stuff and and everything. Exactly. And I remember even at the Coliseum like. Man, before we got it hooked up to where I could do the stuff down at the bottom, man, I used to have to take the tapes like all the way to the top of the Coliseum to this to this old guy, you know, that was would would play him, and I had to walk all the way up those stairs, go to the very top, and then come all the way back down, get somebody else's music, go all the way back up there, and stuff <laughs> like that. And man, it was it was crazy. That's amazing. That's I haven't so thought about that in a long time. How much just uh, something like that has changed, and it is so much easier because <laughs> they've already usually got your music now. They're like, yeah, and just think, man, now it's like even if you know you could just say you could just name something, and somebody could just pull it up. You know, right. back back then it was like, man, sometimes you get there and guys wouldn't even ha have anything. They'd be like, hey, yeah. you got such and such song? You'd be like, no, like how would I, how would I have it? You know, and you had no way to just pull something up the on the fly, you know, and just like, you know, just grab it out of the air. Like you can now and yeah. stuff, stuff like that, yeah. man. I wanted to ask you this, Wolfie, um, yeah. um, cause I remember seeing this and, and I always thought, man, I wish I could get these guys up here and, 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 and like shoot some kind of a video with you guys. But man, you remember how like at the ECW arena, like in the back, you know, they had all these big giant props because they would, that's where they would store all the old floats and stuff or like some big parade that they would do every year or like ever seeing some of that stuff back there. I think I do. I, uh, yeah, possibly. I can't remember. I, I just remember like, you know, when I first, you know, had moved up there and, and did all that was in, and was in the arena in the back, they just had some of these props. And one of the things was like these just big, I mean, just big giant, like, you know, 12 foot tall, like speakers or something, you know? And I thought, man, this would be cool to, you know, just let you have you guys like shoot some kind of a video in front of these big giant speakers and stuff like that. I don't know if you ever seen that kind of stuff up there. That who got you the gig up there? Eddie Gilbert, probably, or who got you that for ECW? Yeah, that was that was one of the things where you know Eddie was Eddie was going up there, um, you know, to take over the booking and all that kind of stuff, and and just you know he knew that I had this passion and this love for doing stuff and just knew there was nothing for me here that, you know, how, how yeah. they was around here that, that, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to get to just do what I wanted to do. And, 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 right. you know, Eddie was one of those kind of guys, you know, that he would, he would see something in somebody and want to like, you know, take them under his wing or whatever. And so, you know, he gave me that opportunity and asked me if I wanted to, wanted to go up there and, and, um, so yeah, man, I jumped on it and, and, and moved up there. You know, with 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 them, it was like me and Eddie and Doug. You know, shared a mm -hmm. you know a, an apartment up there. And, and uh, but the only thing that sucked is like you know they would only run a show like once a month, and I'd get paid like fifty dollars. You know, so I I made fifty dollars for the whole month. That's like all the money. <laughs> so I'd be up there oh, just you know brutal. just broke, couldn't do nothing. You know, man. And luckily there was like right across the street from us was like a Burger King and a Roy Rogers and maybe something else. And it wasn't for like you know 
stuck buying my lunch every day, I, I'm not able to survive, <laughs> you know, because I had no money and, and yeah. would be up there. And that was like such a culture shock because, like, you know, you, I would I would just venture off and just, just go riding around and go somewhere and, and just <laughs> not even think nothing of it. And I would, just, I would just go to, like, a little Chinatown or something, you know, and just park on the side of the road, go walk around, come back, my car would be gone. It, like, it just got towed <laughs> all the way down to, like, like the river or something. I'd be, oh, crap. And I had to, like you know, walk all the way down there and get my, get my car back from being towed or something, you know, just oh, not, not knowing how crazy the $50. Oh, brother. Yeah. I remember, I remember one time being up there and just, just me and Paul, Paul Lee just, it was just me and him was like riding around one night, just, you know, driving all over the place, just, you know, and, and, um, and we, we were just driving and just all of a sudden out of nowhere, we come up on like, on like on the side of the road, it's just like a little cemetery. You see a bunch of, you know, tombstones, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and Polly looked at him and said, Hey, look, good on book that town. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and this was also back in the time. I remember like, this was when, back when Polly was still with, with, uh, WCW uh, and would do he had like that that 900 number gimmick like remember we used like that to say like yeah. you know pay x amount of dollars like called the 900 like get these scoops or whatever and yeah. i remember us driving around and literally like pull over on the side of the road and like like one of the little crappy chinatowns and him getting out of the car and getting on a pay phone so that he could record his 900 number you know gimmick and everything so you just reminded me of something that you may know the answer to. We have a listener, Ben Martin, sent in a question. You remember the one I asked Randy? All right. So in September of 91, Jim Hurd and WCW are in talks with Jerry Jarrett and Lawler about doing some business, mainly Jarrett as a consultant, Lawler as talent to challenge Lex Luger to a title unification match. And the Memphis territory altogether would be a farm system for WCW, similar in the way they did with WWF in 92. Eddie Gill Gilbert hears Heard is involved and decides to, through Paul Heyman, leak this information to Meltzer and Wade Keller, knowing that if it's reported, the whole deal will collapse. And it did. Eric Embry and Lawler fired Eddie for his involvement and WCW, who were already investigating Paul's involvement in an airline ticket refund scam, suspends him. Have you ever heard that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do know that that is a true story that that did, did happen. I don't know a lot, a lot of the details on it, but I do remember when it went down and and that um that all that was planned was supposed supposed to happen and 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 everything. And I remember, you know, them being hot at Eddie about it and everything like that. And and yeah, I mean that's just how things was back then. That they just said, no, nah, you know, fuck it, you know, and just cancel the whole thing, you know, <laughs> right, right, over the fact that it just kind of kind of getting out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you think that would have been good for Memphis in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely because I mean, you know, that was during a time when, you know, man, Memphis was in real bad shape, you know, during that during that time, you know, uh, I mean, it kind of took another upswing, you know, when you know when guys like Brian started kind of coming up and PG and all those guys and stuff. But man, there there was that little there was that little gap, you know, from like. Yeah, you know the late '80s to like the early '90s that were like, man, yeah, it was, it was, it was in really, really bad shape. That's cool. Thank you for answering that. Thanks, Ben, for asking the question. Ben's one. Yeah, of like I, said, I don't, I don't know any real details on it, but I do know that 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 is a true story. That that whole situation did did happen. Wow. Okay. Wolfie, do you remember this? I was going. I wanted to ask yeah. you this one time, but you know, because you're always talking about like you know stories of people like 
pulling ribs and stuff. And this was yeah. like a rib that I did one time that that kind of backfired that I think, you know, he got hot about and didn't really take it as a rib. But this was like during one of those times, like when Power Pro, when like, you know, they had me doing like some managing stuff. And it was like one night we were doing a show at, at, at the New Daisy. Uh-huh. And I don't remember who all was in the ring, but I just remember like, you know, you was out there and I was managing. And man, I had, I had discovered this stuff that, it's like this really super hot burning kind of stuff that was designed for like, if you had like a, a really bad toothache and you could put it on there, but it was like, like this, like a real strong, almost like a cinnamon type something. Uh-huh. And there was like, so I had it with me and I kind of got some of my finger and like, I was supposed to be over there, like, like choking you were doing something. And I just kind of smeared it like all over your lips and everything. Cause man, it would just turn into like fire. Oh my and, God. Um, oh. and I remember you getting like real hot about it, you know, but do you, do you, do you remember that? Was this, was this before Puerto that, Rico or after? <laughs> yeah, huh? right? Was this before Puerto Rico or after? <laughs> the icy hot. Yeah. No, I well, don't. no, I went. I did, but but yeah, it was just the stuff that that you know I just did as a rib, like you know, because man, like once you get it on, you like, and then you're stuck out there in the ring, you know, you know, there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. You know, it's not like you can like you know drink something or wipe it off or whatever. You just gotta <laughs> gotta work with it. Yeah, um, I did. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is good, man. Hey, and also I almost forgot to ask, and this is kind of important. Um, you created a character, a pretty famous character in Memphis that uh, was given to Glenn Jacobs, who went on to become Kane, as most people know. Uh, the Christmas creature. Tell us the story of the Christmas creature. Oh yeah, the Christmas creature. You know, it's a funny thing because you know it was so short lived, but it's just kind of taken on this cult following. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of like turned into something because I've actually seen people make. Like, like, uh, like, you know, how you see people making these custom action figures and stuff. Like I've seen, I've seen custom Christmas creature action figures. And I've seen, I've seen like a video game version of them oh, dude. and everything. And, uh, I even, the last time I saw Glenn, I told him, I said, man, you know, cause he's the only one that would have the pull, the ability to make it happen. But I told him, I said, man, we need to do some Christmas creature, you know, merchandise, like, you know something you know if he could get behind it we actually could could make it happen but anyway yeah man the 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 story of it was and it was only it was only really supposed to just kind of be like a one one and done like a one shot thing because it was like when i first started like promoting towns like the first town i ever promoted was like in november of 1992 you know Uh because i was like the same year i graduated it's like as soon as i got out of school you know yeah. I was just ready to start start doing something, mm-hmm. and then December of of ninety two, I was gonna I ran Osceola, Arkansas, mm-hmm. and man, we just had no hills at the time. I mean, the the territory was just horrible. Like we had nothing, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't even remember who all was even here then, you know. But man, right. I mean, we just had nothing to book as like a main event, you know, for like my dad against somebody you know i've always i've always been real big on gimmick stuff and i kind of wanted to do like a like a christmas theme show and stuff like that so um so i just came up with this this idea for this for this character you know and the whole idea of it was like what if a christmas tree somehow came to life and was a wrestler at the same time (laughs) 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 it was kind of like the idea of it and what happened is like just a, I don't know, gosh, maybe a month or so prior to that, or just a couple months for that, like Glenn came in 
and was teaming with some other guy and they they were just doing this this tag team gimmick where they were wearing masks they were just called like the russian unified tag champions you know they wore like these gold medals and man i mean they were only in for like it seemed like three weeks to a month or so i mean they just wasn't in long didn't do anything but i had i guess kind of met him or got to know him or something but i just remember you know telling my dad the idea like at the cost him one money night just saying hey i you know want to do a show and we just don't have anybody and and I had just came up with the idea. I can't even remember if I had already drawn, you know, had already just kind of sketched up the idea. I'm kind of thinking I might have. And I showed it to him, and he was like, "Like, yeah, I mean, that looks pretty cool, but, like, who, who would you get to do it, you know? Because, you know, there's somebody else. I, I said, well, man, what about that one that one big guy, you know, Glenn, that was that was here and, and everything? And he's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, if, if, if they'll do it. And so I guess I must've got the number from him. Cause you know, I mean, that was like 92. I mean, that was really before cell phones or anything really. Oh yeah. And, um, so he was living up in like, you know, some part of Missouri, like St. Louis or something. Um, and heck, I mean, I, I think he might even still been living with his mother at the time or something. Cause I just remember having to, you know, call up there and talk to his mom and this, that and the other. And, and heck, I don't even know if we even had, fax machines or whatever back then but i mean i literally had to you know just uh, you know come to find out his his mother could sew a little bit but yeah. like i literally like you know told him the idea and he wasn't really doing anything at the time and said yeah you know he come come do it so i like you know drew it and had like just stick it in the mail and like mail the picture up there and let his mom <laughs> see it and you know measure him and go you know and didn't didn't even get like spandex or not she's like she made this outfit out of like <laughs> i don't even know i mean it just it was just something you know because you could see if you see that 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 match with him it's so restricting because it was almost like just this one piece bodysuit where if he tried to raise his arms like he couldn't raise his arms all the way up or whatever and um but anyway so like so you know she mailed the whole she, she made the whole outfit you know and then and then mailed it to me and then I had somebody else down here, like add the lights and like the, the tinsel to it and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and then I just took, you know, the night of the show, you know, I took it to him and, and basically just like unveiled it in front of like, I remember like my brother and all the Hills being in the dress room, like everybody kind of, you know, see me open the box and see it for the first time and him, even Glenn seeing it for the first time and, and having to put it on and, and everything. Uh, but the crazy thing about it is because it was a, it was a Friday night, you know, yeah. OCO Arkansas on TV was the next day. And I had Jeff, you know, on the show also. And just because of all those circumstances, you know, Jerry Jarrett came and Eddie Martin was there cause they just had to come in and was going to stay over and just be right. at the TV the next day. When, yeah. You know, they normally would have never even done that. Yeah. And I guess just cause we just had nothing going on at the time. And Jerry Jarrett came to the show and, saw it and liked it and and told him asked him if he could be at tv you know the next day <laughs> and then and then, it, and then from there he just really kind of got to you know have maybe like a little two or three week run in memphis just yeah. based off of them seeing this this you know this one shot deal that that they all kind of took a liking to and just decided um didn't the uh I remember the drawing, and and I'm pro- I'm sure you probably still got it. Make sure Jimmy gets a uh, picture of that. But um, 
did it not if i remember correctly did the suit not start falling apart on tv well the only part that the only thing that was started falling apart was like the garland like the tinsel you know like how you you know because that was like actual garland that you know i just went yeah. to like well, you know because it was christmas time so i went and bought it you know and, right. and they sewed it on there you know that stuff is so fragile anyway so oh, yeah. like when you see him trying to step in and out of the ring over the ropes it's just you know it's hitting the ropes and falling off and and everything and um and the crazy thing was like even when i like was like making the poster for the show i didn't even have a picture of the character so i actually had to like draw a picture of him and have like a picture <laughs> like an actual picture of my dad and then versus like this this drawing of the christmas <laughs> creature that i had put on there you know but i guess maybe you know the, the town drew so i guess it was just maybe the intrigue of like yeah. you know what the, what the character looked like and everything they, I bet they thought, you know, could it be Sid or somebody like that? You know? Yeah, and that was the, that was the thing that you know, my that's how my dad actually kind of put it over on TV was that since they were going to wrestle each other that Monday night, you know, he put it over like, yeah, I think that's somebody you know from the from the WWF, you know, and they and he just really kind of teased and and I think he even said Sid or something like that just to try to make the people think that it was Sid, you know, under right. the under the mask and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, but, um, I want to try to check with this one guy who makes these custom pops for my dad and maybe try to at least, if nothing else, do some, some of those Christmas creature pops or even some of those, um, you know, like what's those gimmicks called that you, that, that you just recently had the, uh, the slam buddies, like you know, maybe buddies. do like some Christmas creature yeah. slam buddies or something. That's a good idea. Yeah. Christmas creature. Like you said, it'll forever go down and, Memphis history is like a cult type thing. It was it was cool, and uh, but yes, I totally remember that picture. The, the, and if you can get that to Jimmy, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I am, had to make sure we talked about that, man. That's a that's a good story. I'm sure a lot of <laughs> the listeners remember the Christmas creature. It's just funny that you know because Glenn went through so much stuff before he you know finally found his niche and became what he became. You know, the Christmas creature. You got the Doomsday. Um, uh, yeah, he was a fake, fake diesel, you know. Yeah, fake diesel, Isaac Yankel. I mean, just shit that just could have killed his fucking career. <laughs> and I can't remember. I can't remember if if he ever actually came in and did a couple of shots as Isaac Yankel. I mean, it seems like he would have since he was like my dad's dentist. But you know, he you know was here as Christmas creature. Here is is the fake diesel. Here is Doomsday. You know, he was here as, as you know everything. You know, for the for the for the most part. Yeah. He sure was. What a good guy, man. All right. That's a that's a great story, Kev, man. And um there there's so much more. We'll just have to bring you back for a part two one day. I appreciate you coming on, man. Do you got Seriously. anything at the at the last here? Do you want to plug anything or uh, no, I mean not really. Like I said, um, you know, I just have this event coming up Sunday, July the ninth. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's the downtown meltdown, you know, it's wildfire wrestling's gonna do an event, yeah. you know, at Jerry Lawler's Hall of Fame Bar and Grill on Beale Street. Uh, you know, um, we definitely have a lot of Memphis area uh, listeners, so I'm sure, oh, they'll, for sure they'll come out for that. Uh, yeah. Lawler's Bar and Grill. But again, thanks, Kevin, for coming on. And um, man, maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Maybe do a watch along on the, the Bumblebee versus Wolfie D or something like that, man. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> All cool. right.
<laughs> yeah, and uh, send your, send our best to your dad and the best to you, and then uh, I hope everything's going well for you. And Jimmy, when we come back from this break and we say goodbye to Kevin, we're coming back with what? Can you believe it, Kevin? Ask Wolfie D anything. We're actually going to take questions <laughs> and have Wolfie tell the whole story on everything. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so thanks again, Kevin, and everybody will be back with Ask Wolfie Anything. All right, man. See you guys. Thank Thanks you so dude. much, Kevin. Really All good right. to meet you. Thank you, brother. All right, man. You too. DJ, hit the music. Right, we are back with a little Ask Wolfie D anything today. And I tell you what, you know, what a great episode with Kevin, dude. I, I, I'm sad to say I've never met Kevin. I uh, feel like I know a lot about him now. And what a just cool dude, man. What a really cool yeah, dude. Cool, man. Um, you know, like we said, I've known him for a long time. Known the dynamic of the family. And uh, so it's good to have him on and let him tell his side of things. You know, he, like we said, we, we've heard, we know Lawler's story. We know Brian's story, but a lot of people don't know Kevin's story. So yeah. I hope we were able to, uh, you know, give that to everybody that didn't know or the ones that already knew Kevin. I hope we enjoyed the show. Yeah, absolutely. Ask me what you're going to ask me. Yeah, well, we got some Ask Wolfie here. So with that being said, let's start this part with M.N. Thompson on Facebook. He's Memphis Wrestling is the page. And so the question is, is if you knew then what you know now, what's one thing that stands out in your mind that, man, I wish I had done this or that? I wish that um, around, you know, when we had our Nation of Domination run, I wish I would have taken shit more seriously. I wish I would have been in the gym all the time and, uh, you know, been ready for what could have been next. And I just think that we did not take advantage of that. And I honestly believe that, you know, there was going to be something for us. I don't know what, you know, there, I thought about this the other day. I don't think I've ever really talked about this part of it was that, you know, when we did the deal where we walked out on the road warriors and then we came back in, Sean and, and Jr. promised us, you know, we get paid for the next month or whatever. Then there was talk of, you know, we'll bring you out, we'll fix and do this lightweight tournament, blah, 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 blah. We'll bring you guys in for that. But they never did. So our actions, I think, maybe that was the plan. You know, maybe they were going to do something with us there. Probably, you know, break us up, maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, it could have been the start of something. And like I said, I've been the first one to tell everybody, you know, I, I didn't handle things <laughs> real well back then, man. I was just playing around, just having fun. Thought it wasn't going to end and yeah. party, time, party time. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? How old were you then? About, let's see, 22, 23, <laughs> something like that. Seriously. I mean, the the you know, some might say – you you reach the pinnacle there, you know, and yeah. and you 
we're it's it's kind of understandable in a long run because I remember when I was twenty two, I was a complete dumbass. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when it comes down to it, bro, I get what you're saying. Yes, I wish it, I wish, but at the same time, man, that's a lot to put on a twenty two year old's shoulders. And I know that Jamie gets a lot of. Sometimes people are oftentimes will say like, "Well, you, you were with Jamie, and Jamie had his own things." But man, you know, it, it's okay yep. to say that you know you've admitted several times that you made mistakes too. Yeah, and it's it's understandable. But man, I, I get what you're saying though. That that that's yeah. uh, that's definitely something. I do personally think there was a lot left for the WWE and PG thirteen that was just not that was just not available or or just not put out there. But I really feel like there was a good a good run with you all. And I just see the teams that came later, the wrestlers that came yeah. later. Would it have been a single deal with just you? Would it have been whatever? <clears throat> I you know, clearly see all that. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but obviously I'm a PG-13 mark. So when it comes down to it, would have loved to have seen a longer run there with a wrestling PG-13. Right. You know, (laughs) because, you know, and I know that's kind of, I hear when you, people talk about it like yeah we were there together at wrestlemania 13 and yeah. you walk out and you see that yeah they're walking to the ring to wrestle you're walking to the ring to be a manager essentially yeah. and and you know at the same time when it comes down to it you were there though so yeah. <laughs> can't take that from anything you know so but anyway that's a good answer uh you know no need to go over it a million times but i you know one thing that i would say that i wish you would have done is i wish when we met that you would have said jimmy i'm in it for a long heel run i need a good manager (laughs) let's hit the road road. (laughs) why why did you not ask me no i'm just kidding but anyway i didn't need a middle eastern manager at the time (laughs) no 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 this is after that guy (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk about jimmy street not not omar but i get that i nobody needed a middle eastern white guy so (laughs) (laughs) anyway but yeah that's my regret is we didn't take it on the road at that time or we didn't start this podcast then (laughs) because it wasn't a thing was it (laughs) well you know what's funny is there was like two or three it was like stone cold colt cabana and basically gene jackson i swear to god gene is you know gene's been doing it since 2010 I think, mm-hmm. and I don't even know why he still does it because that just shows you. I mean, I know why he still does it. What I'm saying is, is that shows you how much he loves it. So anyway, <laughs> he he's he's OG for sure. But okay, our next question is from Ben Martin on Facebook, and it's this one. This is an interesting one. So Bill and Jamie's promo in '96 about the injunction on the Wolfie name and trademark for the hubcap and gear. Do you remember that? <laughs> did I? Did they burn it or something? I can't yeah, know. yeah. And then, did you all then or now ever think of having your names and likenesses trademarked? No, I never thought of it. Honestly, um, it kind of wasn't a thing back then. You know, now people are doing it. Yeah, uh, many people really did it back then. But uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, again, we talk about you know people that went to WW like right after we. Um, you know, we're let go there, and like, oh, can we call y'all JC and Wolfie DPG 13? Vince owns that now, right? No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you better <laughs> not think about it. Yeah, 
because that was happening to everybody, but it's because we, we had our character before we got there. And again, it didn't have names on the contract. I was the one that put the names in the wrap to make sure you knew who we were. Sure. And, um, so no, he never owned it. We went to WCW. We used the names there. Um, you know, so it was kind of cool that, you know, when people make the jump, they got to switch their name and shit. We never had right. to. No matter where we went, yeah, Which, and I mean, even the biggest, owned dude, it. yeah, even the biggest dudes like Ron Simmons had to change his name. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, some absolute legends went to WWE and changed, had their name changed. So you know, that's really cool. You wrote it in the rap, yeah. Like, I just right. put the names when I wrote the rap, the, the, yeah, that they heard our name. I don't know if I did that honestly, um, subconsciously. I don't know that I went. Oh, I better put my name in here. You know what I'm saying? It, but it was just a subconscious me being a showman. You know what I'm of saying? Of course. Getting so, your, I mean, if you're not going to, they're obviously not calling you JC Ice and Wolfie D. They're not even saying your names. They're basically saying, oh, there's those two. What are they up to? Those you know? thugs. Yeah, those thugs. Yeah. And you're coming out there and you're like, well, at least in the song, they're going to know our names. So mm -hmm. it's it's smart. You took an opportunity and you you ran with it so there's nothing wrong with that so basically it's popular now i think cm punk might have been like the first one to have started the current trend of, of having your name trademarked before you get there and then of course they have to either say okay you're not that or you're going to sign over some of the rights to your name while you're here you know, yeah. but anyway, I saw recently where Double J is trying to either a trademark or copyright uh, something um, like the word heat or something like that. I, I swear, <laughs> something really, really strange. And I'm thinking, okay, you not see that? No, I haven't seen that, but they're copywriting everything right now, yeah. bro. Phrases, yeah. The word was, but I swear to God, it was something like heat or something. I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So what's funny is the trademark attorney that does it for everyone. He's out of Florida, I think. He actually follows us on Twitter. So oh. I, I hope he's a listener. But anyway, I don't know if he was just, you know, following us because of you or if it was because it was a you and a podcast or whatever. But mm -hmm. it's funny because he actually followed us. And long story short on that is, you know, we own Live and in Color with Wolfie D., We've got everything trademarked now. We own that. But anyway, that you have to do that these days. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, well, that's a good question, Ben. Thank you. Always Ben Martin from Facebook. And then again, Ben's got another question here. And it's, have you ever get an ECW bounced check or anywhere stiffed anywhere? So basically tell us. So like, I think the bounce checks came after you all were there, right? No, I think they was bouncing while we was there, but I don't. I never did. Uh, okay, okay. Say that. Now I've told you before. We had to wait. Sometimes we had to play the waiting game. They tried to wait you out, man. It'd be fucking two o'clock in the morning and shit. And right. Paul would be still up in the office, you know, calling separate people at a time or whatever. And we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. We're not leaving until we. <laughs> yeah. Sex. So yeah, did that more than once. Um, yeah. But we yeah. got it. It always was right. Um, have I ever been stiffed? I think we talked about this before. I followed, uh, or maybe I did this on Facebook. I did follow, <laughs> and this Mitch was a friend of mine, man. Mitch, uh, Mitch Rhodes, Mitch Ryder. He ran a show, and me and me and Josephus had went up for it up in Indiana. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
Mitch tried to, you know, oh, brother, I ain't got it all, man. I'm gonna have to, get, you know, give you this, then I'll give you some more later. And uh, I said, nope. <laughs> and, he, mm-hmm. I, and he didn't. I don't think he gave Josephus anything. I said, bro, this ain't working, man. I said, you, you got to figure out a way to get my money to me right now. Man, brother, I don't have no way. So you better start asking motherfuckers. I ain't fucking playing, bro. And uh, so he, uh, well, let me go to my grandma's house. Mama, I said, I'll fuck you there. And uh, so we got in the car, followed him, me and Josephus and his ex, and followed him to his house. And I made sure he paid me. And he did. Man, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Jordan before. Cause I've been bad, and and being the era that I was in, you'd think I wasn't like this. But you know, a lot of times I'll take the envelope or take the little cafe rolled up wad of money, and yeah. uh, not pull it out right there and count it. And uh, so I, I've been shorted before and after the fact. And you know, sometimes I'm, I'd probably just be like. It depends on what the payoff was, you know. Sure. Uh, but you know, I was. He sorted me 50 bucks. No big deal. Depending on what my payoff was again. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, sure. you know, it happens. But yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that has to happen. You know, I've, you know, like I think of, okay, I did, I, I swear. I mean, I'm probably one of the nicer ones when it comes to it, you know, cause okay. If he does show me, okay, well I did pretty good on gimmicks. So I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna fuck with him. You know what I mean? That's how sure. Sure. Well, you know, I, I've known of guys that have, you know, they get there, they get paid immediately. Yeah. Like when I'm here now, and that's a lot of your older dudes that are old school carny guys, but yeah. they're like, I, pay me and then I'll do it. You know, if I walk in, and somebody pays me immediately. Uh, they got my respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, we, you know, that that's honorable for sure. But at the same yeah. time, when it comes down to it, a lot of them have to wait for the, that, the door, you know? Yeah. So that's to, how you don't run shows. You don't run shows based off on, the door. I, hope I make enough off this door to pay everybody. That's why right. sponsors and, or you just need your own money so that you got all the money you need to cover everything, no matter whether one motherfucker shows up or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's running a promotion 101, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you ain't got the money, don't do it. It's just yeah. not, you know. It, it, that's a good question, too, actually. So with the guys that kind of are that way, that come in, and uh, is there an interesting story where you've seen people throw a fit because they didn't get paid immediately? Mm, I don't know that I've seen a, a fit over not getting paid immediately, no. I mean, I've seen people get shorted and be mad. and yeah. Uh, I've never been on the one, the ones where the promoter runs out the back door, but uh, <laughs> I've heard of a few of those. You know, <laughs> Tommy went to jail over that one time. They, I forget how the story goes, but they were somewhere in Virginia, and the guy tried to stiff them, and I think they walked out and took the uh, took the gate like the box. And oh, the, the person at the front door. Had, <laughs> the police was on him real quick. I think we put him in jail for the night. Man, uh, be good to have them on here and tell that story about it because I, I can't remember all the details. But yeah, it was something like that. But you, you know, I remember. I don't know that they really got in trouble because I mean the guy owed him the money. But <laughs> I don't think you could just take the game because <laughs> <laughs> that could be a whole lot more than what you were supposed to get paid, or you know, very similar. But yeah, yeah. they should come on here and tell that story. I think that's yeah. a great idea. But you know who we got next week is an awesome tag team. I'm very excited about this one. Tell yeah. them who we got next week. 
the Wild Boys, uh, yeah. Columbia, uh, Shelbyville, all of the Southern Tennessee, Northern Alabama. Uh, they were they were really hot in the in the nineties, um, early nineties, mid nineties, uh, in the in the outlaw uh, territory kind of that was kind of the, the Tennessee territory almost for the outlaw circuit. Most of the same guys wrestled on all those shows. Yeah. They uh, they they packed some some of those uh, houses, man. They really yeah. good man. guys. Then, um, if I'm not mistaken, was trained by Bill Dundee. Uh, I'm not sure who who trained Steve, but we'll get into all that with him. But yeah, man, good tag team. Looking forward to having them on, man. Some some good guys. Absolutely, it was an exciting opportunity, and we decided to reach out to them. And man, they were they were on board for sure. You know, the thing I thought about it is our hundredth episode next week, bro. So, y'all, y'all, I some say it's a miracle, but I have helped or made Wolfie D have a hundred episodes. <laughs> some say some say it wouldn't last, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thank y'all so much for sticking around and letting us have a hundred episodes because literally, like Wolfie says all the time, without y'all listening, we don't want to do it, you know. So yeah. means the world. And we're to who not why not have the, the wild boys on your hundredth episode? That sounds like yeah. a party to me, man. So yeah. I mean all those um all those shows, all those towns, man, that's where I got my start, too. So, I mean, I can relate to all the areas and the people they worked, uh, you know, my stepdad and uh, Mephisto and Dante and, and Chris Champion and all those guys, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dale Storm. They probably worked for Dale Storm. And yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure they did. But anyway, you know, anyway, long story short, I'm excited for the Wild Boys. And y'all just look up them on, you know, Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Look up that on YouTube and type in the Wild Boys or just type in Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, whatever. Yeah. Great great run and we're excited to have them so first of all thank you wolfie for sticking around for 100 episodes so i'm excited this one's 99 this is 99 i was gonna say don't count your chickens for their hat <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point that's I, a great got a whole week to fuck this up Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, dude. All right, well again we appreciate everybody listening and uh like jimmy just said tune in next week we should have the wild boys on so yeah, yeah. tune in next week y'all thanks and now a word from our sponsor ladies and gentlemen welcome to give me back my pro wrestling the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes, 
and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Con Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at genejacksonpod.com. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. He's gonna tell you all about it He doesn't care what you think You're gonna hear all about it Mike Jablonski If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. Decibel Geek, wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you.
you don't. He got a cap for you don't. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color from Russia, mother. Utilize a hubcap, unlike any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over on board later. Not here to play games, so you better be You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You second step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. I'm gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.